Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 25th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We'll see a mix of sun and clouds today. Spring-like, though. The high is going to be 75 tonight and overnight. A few clouds, low 58. And then Thursday, sunny, even warmer, high 77. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 47 clear in Mount Kisco up in Westchester County. 48 and clear in Rawway down in New Jersey. And it is 52 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning last night. Uh, well, the big thing last night, if you're a baseball fan, it was the Phillies against the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks win, so World Series is Diamondbacks versus the Texas Rangers. Uh, the other big news uh, coming out of Washington, if you've been following this mess of trying to pick a House speaker, <laughs> just candidate after candidate, the latest one now is uh, just when you thought it might be Tom Emmer, the uh, Minnesota congressman, uh, well, he's out. So House Republicans last night nominating Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson to become the speaker-designate as the GOP attempts this uh, fourth time to find a replacement for Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Uh, he, If you haven't heard of him, he's kind of a low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team. So it's not even sure how he was able to get to the top. Uh, but now he has to secure... 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor to win the Speaker's gavel. There is word that they don't think he'll be able to do it. Some say he will. Uh, there was some sort of count last night. They've done this before. The House uh, says they'll reconvene on the floor this afternoon, potentially, for a vote. Uh, this all going on is we it was just yesterday that they said Tom Emmer was their guy. He was the Republican nominee for speaker. And you had the old House speaker, Kevin McCarthy, saying, you know, all right, Tom Emmer, he seems good. Let's just vote on. He's him. answering whatever questions somebody has. And I think some of the questions people have, they haven't given Tom the opportunity yet to even ask him that and have him answer that. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump going on Truth Social, not a fan of Tom Ervin. That may have played into it. McCarthy telling reporters last night that the party's in a bad place as the chamber's been without a leader for three weeks, uh, slamming the eight conservatives who voted to remove him from the speakership earlier this month. And he was pushing Emmer yesterday. We've been three weeks without a speaker. We let eight people work with every single Democrat to put us in here to go directly against what our conference rules say. Yes, yeah, so the Republicans in this battle that doesn't seem like it's going to end. Maybe today will be the day when they take this fourth vote. This is the best way to go about doing it. Let whoever has a difference of opinion come to the microphone, 
go directly to Tom and ask him the question. And- yeah, so they asked Tom those questions. They did not like his answer. So he was gone by the end of the day. He withdrew. So now it is Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. Now, we'll see if he lasts during the course of the day. What are you telling me? You don't think Sid is here talking to me as I'm doing the show? Byron Donaldson. That is the prediction from uh, Sid, who says he's put his money on. How much money did you put down? $5,000. Okay. <laughs> uh, Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson, the guy, they say they'll take a vote on him later today, but uh, it is, at this point, it becomes sort of comical. 504. What is not comical is what's going on the mess in the Middle East. At least 33 Americans dead now, 10 unaccounted for in the war between Israel and Hamas. It would be imprudent and irresponsible if we didn't have folks thinking through a broad range of contingencies and possibilities. And, um, and, uh, and certainly evacuations are, are one of those things. National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the administration deeply concerned about possible attacks on American troops stationed in the Middle East. Uh, he talked about a potential ceasefire in the conflict between Hamas and Israel and he says, uh, well, the U.S. is not pushing that. They get to make the decisions about what operations they're going to conduct or not. Ceasefire right now is only going to benefit Hamas. And at the U.N. yesterday, Security Council met here in the city. Hundreds turned out along First Avenue, each person holding a sign with a photo of someone kidnapped by Hamas along with a red carnation in hopes of pressuring diplomats to act quickly to get them released. This is more than just a humanitarian crisis. It's an attack on civilization. So far, four hostages released, but they're believed to be 220 still being held by Hamas in Gaza. President Biden urging Israel to delay a pending ground invasion to allow more time for hostage negotiations. Families of the hostages were at the U.N. yesterday, included Ruby Chen, who lives in Brooklyn. His 19-year-old son, Itai, was taken. Chen uh, says uh, that he's holding out hope for his son and hoping their happy memories will get him through what is a no doubt a tough time if he's being held today. And then you had Rachel Goldberg. She was speaking out outside the U.N. and inside, for that matter, yesterday. Her son, Hirsch, is believed to be among those who was kidnapped from that music festival in the Negev where 260 were slaughtered. Uh, he apparently was shot in the arm, or maybe it was a grenade that took off his arm, and so she's not sure that he's alive. Um, but here she was appealing to his captors to let him go. And a competition of pain, there is never a winner. Picture your own mother, and then picture her being told there are only two options. You are either dead... Or you had your arm blown off and were kidnapped by gunpoint into Gaza and no one knows where you are or if you bled to death in that pickup truck 18 days ago or if you died yesterday or if you died five minutes ago. It's been awful. Uh, She's seen pictures here and there that suggest he might be alive, but she's not sure. Then you have more Ohlone, who saw families taken away from his kibbutz, kidnapped. Uh, Some were killed. He said one child kidnapped was as young as 10 months old. What world allowed this to happen? More than 30 children were taken hostages. Many of them, after seeing their parents murder in front of them, they are all alone there. WABC News Time 509, the war between Hamas and Israel playing out at the UN yesterday. The UN Palestinian Foreign Affairs Minister Riyad al-Maliki uh, taking Israel to task for its bombing campaign that has killed civilians. No one is spared. No one is safe. Where is the solidarity with them? Where is the empathy towards them? 
Where is the outrage for their killing? But Israel vowing to eliminate Hamas, rejecting calls for a ceasefire. Here's Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, before this U.N. panel yesterday. They went from house to house, slaughtering entire families and individuals in the beds, on the streets, on the way to the synagogue, raping women. Burn them alive. And the foreign minister making it very clear yesterday at the U.N. that Israel will not hold back when it fully responds. The proportional response to October 7 massacre is a total destruction, a total destruction to the last one of the Hamas. It is not only Israel's right to destroy Hamas. It's our duty. More than 1,400 people in Israel have been killed, mostly civilians who died in that initial Hamas rampage. In addition, 222 people, including foreigners believed to be captured by Hamas, uh, are still being held today. Four of those have been released, including that mother, daughter from Illinois, and two elderly Israeli women. That, as the U.S. warning Iran against escalating the war between Israel and Hamas. Iran has supported Hamas and other groups that continue to carry out attacks on Israel. Iranian leaders have routinely threatened to wipe Israel off the map. While addressing the U.N. Security Council there, Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S. will respond decisively if Iran or its proxies carry out attacks on U.S. personnel in the Middle East. Among the more than 1,400 people that Hamas killed on October 7, at least 33 American citizens. If Iran or its proxies attack U.S. personnel anywhere, make no mistake, we will defend our people. We will defend our security. If you want to prevent this conflict from spreading, tell Iran in public, in private, do not open another front against Israel in this conflict. And this conflict, of course, as you no doubt have noticed, is playing out in the streets of New York, playing out in the streets across the country. The White House yesterday emphasizing that there's no place for anti-Semitism during this. When Jews are targeted because of their beliefs or their identity, When Israel is singled out because of anti-Jewish hatred, that is anti-Semitism. So this comes after Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre received a bunch of backlash for her response to a question on rising anti-Semitism among the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. On Monday, Jean-Pierre was asked about concerns over anti-Semitism in which she said the administration had seen no credible threats. Then she went on to speak out. More about crimes targeting Muslim and Arab Americans. Well, yesterday she tried to clarify that and speak more forcibly about the targeting of Jews. We must all do our part and forcefully, forcefully speak out against anti-Semitism. Not against Jews, not against Muslims, not against Arab Americans, not against Palestinian Americans, not against anyone. And with war raging in the Middle East, local Jews, Muslims worried about hate brewing at home. Uh, we had an arrest yesterday. 28-year-old Christopher de Aquar from East Harlem, now charged with a hate crime. He's the guy who punched a woman in the face at a subway station on Saturday night, then allegedly explained he had done it because she was Jewish. Well, he's behind bars this morning. And then you had uh, out in Brooklyn, the Flatbush uh, Shomrim, which is this volunteer neighborhood watch group that's been around for years. They say the community there, the Jewish community, on edge. When something like that does happen on a subway, it is very concerning. We're not looking to instigate, but we're looking to fight back. We're not going to just sit here and, and accept 
the hate. The NYPD says hate crimes have jumped 7% since the start of the Israeli-Gaza war. Just last week, there were 51 hate crimes reported in the city. 30 of them were against Jews. We're seeing a lot of people getting slapped, getting pushed. The majority of the 30 crimes that we saw that were anti-Jewish, they stem from graffiti, criminal mischief, aggravated harassment, basically almost bordering on on free speech. Yeah, NYPD reporting there have been four anti-Palestinian incidents since October 9th. Top FBI officials warning agents across the country about copycats who may try to replicate some form of the Middle East chaos here in the U.S. Experts say these lone wolf attacks are almost impossible to catch. When they actually carry out a crime, we find out later on that they have posted something online but it happens just a few minutes before the incident. That's Alex DeCarmen. He heads the School of Criminology at Tarleton State University. Customs and Border Patrol have sent out internal bulletins alerting agents that Hamas, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad foreign fighters inspired by the Israeli conflict may be uh, coming across the southern border. For law enforcement. It's very, very hard to have eyes and ears on social media all the time on everyone in society. Yeah, they say there's a real fear. So they are watching out at the border. Uh, the NYPD says it's doing its job on its part. Artificial intelligence is going to be able to assist law enforcement in identifying certain words that terrorists use. And then overseas today, we're watching what's going on. The Israeli troops still massed on the border at Gaza along the southern border. Israeli uh, uh, airstrikes continue. Rockets continue to be fired from Gaza into Israel. But so far, that ground war has not begun. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Uh, good morning, happy hump day, Justin Ellen. Good morning, happy hump day to you as well, Noam Olayden. It was a, a big night in the NHL last night with all 32 teams in action in Calgary. Your New York Rangers scored three times in the second period and were out to a 3-1 to victory over the slumping Flames. Eric Gustafson scored once and added an assist, while Lafreniere also found the back of the net, but it was none other than Chris Kreider with his team-leading fifth goal that put the Rangers up for good. Panarin by him to Fox. 15 seconds to go on the power play. Panarin to Fox. Panarin with room. He plays it down low, score! Chris Kreider on a beautiful deflection. It's a power play goal! That call courtesy of MSG. The Blue Shirts will see if they can keep it up come tomorrow night in Edmonton against the Oilers in Montreal. Tired to Foley would be all the Devils would need against the Canadians as he registered a hat-trick against his former team, leading New Jersey to the 5-2 win. Here's with the third one, albeit an empty netter, sounded like courtesy of MSGSN. Behind net. Suzuki centers, Hughes intercepts. He feeds to Foley. Now he's got another chance for the hat-trick. To Foley completes the hat-trick. And the Devils lead 5-2. Holtz and he sure also scored for New Jersey. And Jack Hughes continues his hot start to the season with four assists and route to the win. They'll take uh, that win for uh, home for a matchup with the Washington Capitals tonight in Newark. Puck drop there is set for 7.30 p.m. And finally, the Islanders with alone a local losers for the night, falling 7-4 at home to the still undefeated Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Kyle Clutterbuck had a goal and an assist. Paul Mary and Holmstrom also scored, but it wouldn't be nearly enough as the Islanders lose their third straight. They'll try and get off the schneid tomorrow night 
when they're set to welcome in the Ottawa Senators. Over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs where the NLCS ended with Game 7 last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia. And it's the Diamondbacks that clinched just their second World Series appearance in franchise history with a 4-2 win over Philly. And so the 2023 Fall Classic is officially set. And we'll see the aforementioned Arizona Diamondbacks go up against the Texas Rangers for all of baseball's glory. The World Series will begin Friday night in Texas. And finally, the NBA regular season. Major League Baseball is, can't be happy about that. No, it's not a great, it's not a great World Series. I mean, Arizona? I yeah. Mean, first of all, they can't even sell out games at Arizona. No, they Arizona. can't. They yeah. can't. There were more Phillies fans at these, uh, <laughs> at their away games during this series than there were Diamondbacks. And the Texas Rangers, I mean, who cares about them? So <laughs> there's, I, I bet this is the lowest watch World Series of all time. Yeah, at least the Texas Rangers have some, have some history to them, you yeah. know? But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Diamondbacks just their second World Series at franchise. I mean, I know we remember when they played the Yankees, but uh, it's been a while. Hmm. So we'll see. Uh, I uh, won't watch much of it. I'll tell you that much. No, I don't know about you. And finally, over in the NBA, on the hardwood, uh, the season did open up last night, the regular season, that is. We'll finally get some local action tonight as both the Knicks and Nets are set to open their regular season campaigns on home court. The Knicks get the Boston Celtics for a 7 p.m. tip-off, while the Nets will welcome in the Cleveland Cavaliers a smidge later at 7.30. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. Uh, the Go down to Washington for a moment where there's these rallies on Capitol Hill for U.S. aid to Ukraine. Are these people worried too much attention being paid to what's going on in the Middle East that maybe they've been forgotten about? These are universal values that transcend every constituency. This is something that all Americans should care about. Of course, there's billions of dollars in this package the president's trying to push to pay for the war. It's reinvigorating the sense of American community and standing up for American values. Yes, yeah, so they say they just don't want to be forgotten. People I'm going on the trip with have family in Ukraine that are currently being bombarded by Russian artillery. Some have lost family lives. California now, where California going after social media giant Meta for harming the mental health of young people. Attorney General Robert Bonta is filing a federal lawsuit against Facebook and Instagram, the parent company, alleging they designed and deployed harmful features that addicted children and teens to their social media platforms. Our investigation has found that Meta has misled its users and that it's putting our children in harm's way. There's a mountain of growing evidence that social media has a negative impact on our children. California leading this coalition of 33 states includes New York and seeking an injunction and monetary relief to address this alleged misconduct. The attorney general there says prolonged use of social media results in higher levels of depression, anxiety, body image issues and other harm. More time on social media tends to be correlated with depression, with anxiety, body image issues, susceptibility to addiction and interference with daily life, including learning. All right, I can only tell you just from my own experience, uh, yeah, it's not great for the kids. As if being young isn't hard enough. Meta knows all of this and more, and yet has decided to disregard these serious dangers to promote their products and prominence to make a profit. Yeah, so the lawsuit says the owner of Facebook and Instagram taking advantage of known psychological vulnerabilities in the developing brains of youth. We know Meta had internal discussions about the negative impact of the like button, but decided to keep it 
anyway. Yeah, well, sinister if any of that is true, but we'll have to see where the, how this lawsuit plays out. Let's bring it back here to New York. Former President Donald Trump, his former attorney Michael Cohen, both in a Manhattan courtroom yesterday in Trump's civil fraud trial. Cohen, who was Trump's longtime attorney before their relationship turned sour, testifying against Trump. This is not about Donald Trump versus Michael Cohen or Michael Cohen versus Donald Trump. This is about accountability. New York State Attorney General Letitia James accused Using Trump of overvaluing his properties to get better loan deals. That's what this fraud trial is about. New Yorkers have been watching this all play out, trying to make out what's true and what's not true. I don't believe that, that he has anything other than resentment towards Trump. There's nothing that he could do that is not going to make a die-hard Trump supporter not support him. Cohen uh, had already says that Trump uh, falsified property values at his real estate company. He also says the Trump organization did not make a move without the boss, Donald Trump, approving it. Hopefully, um, when Michael Cohen and Donald Trump show down in court, we'll get some legal closure on this. Drag the banks in here. If they gave him a loan on, on a on a crackerjack box, it's their fault. And it wasn't a great day at all for Donald Trump. Uh, another one of former President Trump's co-defendants in his Georgia election interference case pleading guilty. A tearful Jenna Ellis, one of Trump's former campaign lawyers, struck a plea deal with prosecutors, read a statement in the Fulton County Court yesterday. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. Ellis pled guilty one count of aiding and abetting false statements and writings. What I did not do but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. Attorney Sidney Powell, Kenneth uh, Chesbro, pleaded guilty to charges last week, agreed to testify against Trump and other defendants. WABC News Time 524 down to Washington. President Biden awarding national medals to high achievers in science and technology yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage, for your perseverance. And maybe most importantly, for your integrity. All taking place at a ceremony at the White House. Biden presenting recipients with the National Medal of Science and National Medal of Technology and Innovation. For outstanding contributions to the knowledge to knowledge in the sciences, for outstanding contributions to the promotion of technology. The greatness of a country is measured not only by the size of its economy, it's the strength of a nation is also measured by its boldness, of its science, quality, of its research. And that taking place, as uh, there was some bad news for the president here in New York, getting his lowest approval numbers yet in New York. A Siena College survey, uh, the pollster Stephen Greenberg says the survey shows President Biden has negative numbers in New York now that are at 45 percent. That's probably the highest he's had in his entire time in Washington. Uh, here is the pollster Stephen Greenberg. His handling of the migrant influx 29% of New Yorkers approve of the job that the Biden administration is doing. Nearly two-thirds, 64% disapprove. Democrats might have wake up in a very blue state like New York. His negative numbers are that high. They don't approve of the job that Governor Hochul is doing, that Mayor Adams is doing, that the Biden administration is doing to address it. But it is clearly a problem that voters want addressed by their leaders. And uh, about 84 percent of the people who took part in the survey say they view the migrant crisis as a serious problem for the state. And more than half say they believe the migrant crisis will destroy New York City.
All right, let's take a look at the uh, numbers. The opening bell rings this morning after stocks rose, and the Dow snapped a four-day losing streak yesterday. General Electric, Coca-Cola, Verizon, Spotify all provided a lift to the market with earnings and revenue that actually beat estimates. So at the closing bell yesterday, the Dow gained 204 points. S&P 500 added 30. NASDAQ rose 121 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 25th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We'll see a mix of sun and clouds today. It's going to feel like spring again. High 75 tonight. And overnight, a few clouds, low 58. And then tomorrow, even warmer, sunshine, high 77. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 47 and clear in Mount Kisco up in Westchester County, 48 and clear in Rawway down in New Jersey. And it is 51 and clear here outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour here in New York City today. On 77 WABC, we celebrate everybody in law enforcement. It's back the blue day. You'll hear from police and uh, police officers and uh, people uh, who are high up in the ranks and to beat cops during the course of the day. And we're going to celebrate them right outside our studios later this morning. And um, it's so it's uh, interesting that this story came out over the last 24 hours as we get ready to back the blue and celebrate uh, cops and NYPD officer breaking down in tears after spending about 40 emotional minutes on Riverside Drive, an overpass there, talking down a suicidal man. Uh, there is body cam footage of this all. Officer Carl Fayette told this man who was standing on the edge of an overpass and threatening to jump, uh, and he would have died, that um, his life was worth something. And it was all captured by the body cam he wore. Here's what it sounded like as he tried to convince this guy to uh, step away and get not jump off this overpass. And there is solutions. There is way to actually get out of this situation. And I promise you, we have the resources that you need. I love you, brother. You got this, brother. Fayette told the man that not only does he care about him, but he cares for his life. Uh, he and another officer pleaded with the man for about 40 minutes. Uh, this is near 130th Street until emergency service unit officers were able to sort of get into place to grab this man. They did, and they pulled him to safety. The officer then broke down in tears because he was so thrilled that he was able to get this guy to safety, but it took an emotional toll on him trying to do so life is beautiful life is precious there's a shoulder that he can lean on there's somebody that you know that he can talk to somebody that he can consider as a friend the officer talking to eyewitness news yesterday but fantastic job done by him and so many officers every single day right here in the city at least seven people injured after a car and two mta buses involved in a crash in brooklyn this was in midwood cops apparently were trying to pull over this vehicle and it ended up crashing into these two buses what was even more alarming was there is a woman seen in this video pushing her baby in a stroller walking across the crosswalk when this crash took place 
And it looks like one of these buses almost acted like a shield for this woman and her child who would have likely been hit. Instead, the car hit the bus and no doubt saved this woman and her baby's life. Lots of eyewitnesses to this crash yesterday. She wasn't shot and she can't even talk. Yeah. She ran in here. I mean, she was staying outside, but, you know, she was shaking with the baby. Yeah, it's crazy, you know. <laughs> Everybody was in shot after that, you know. But I was, it was crazy, yeah. Seven people taken to the hospital. We do not know the extent of their injuries, including that driver of the car. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was taking part in a discussion on Monday at Columbia University when things got kind of testy. Clinton was on stage participating in the newly launched Institute of Global Politics at Columbia. As launched through the School of International and Public Affairs, a young man in the audience took exception to a recent speech from President Biden in which he called for over 100 hundred billion dollars in funding for military efforts surrounding Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. I'm sorry. You, you have a the, chance. Well, the, I'm not sorry. The, the hip, you sit down. I, I and know you're not sorry. People, That's the point. The hypocrisy of this talk. speech. The I'm hypocrisy of the fact that... Frank what, what do you have? Can you Frank please... Clinton countered that this is not how you have a conversation. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 538. Let's bring it back here into the city. Mayor Adams warning New Yorkers they will soon start seeing visible evidence of the migrant crisis. If you haven't already, he says the city's done a good job of concealing its struggle to find housing for tens of thousands of new arrivals. But he warns people could start soon sleeping on the streets because they've run out of room. What is it going to take before people understand what out of room means? Yes, we're placing people in conditions that are unfair for migrants and it's unfair for New York City taxpayers. It all comes after the FDNY shut down an emergency migrant center earlier this week. This was the one that's right near Madison Square Garden in the old Toro College building. They said it just wasn't safe to have people in this building. And so uh, another shelter shut down. I think it's seven or eight in all that the FDNY says for safety reasons. They have told the city they can't use these shelters. Anyone. You know, if people who always criticize me, who don't dislike me, who uh, will never invite me to a birthday party. Let's put all that to the side. Mayor Adams says nothing is off the table now, even outdoor sites to house the migrants, which, by the way, are still coming, huge busloads, still coming a couple times a week, a few thousand. uh, It was 4,000 for a while. Don't know what the number is today. Whatever space we can find, you know, when you run out of space, you whatever space we could find, we're going to use, and we want to do it as hu- as humane as possible. The deputy mayor says there's still no federal decompression strategy all these months later, and they're not getting any real help from the White House to figure out what to do with all these migrants showing up here. What more could we be doing? We opened up a legal clinic. We are having 20,000 young people in school. No families and children have been on the street. We keep on asking the state to help us with resettlement. I think they've resettled 20 families. I wish I could say I could stop at 20 families. I can't stay that. Mayor Adams suggesting yesterday that maybe they should hold a roundtable. So New Yorkers, just like you and I, could share our solutions. But the deputy mayor, who is in charge of finding space for the migrants, isn't sold on how helpful that would be. But, well, maybe somebody has a great idea out there that they haven't thought of yet. Cops looking for a group of thieves who stole three school buses in the Bronx. Uh, they have really good pictures of these guys because 
There's cameras and GPS uh, in all of these buses that were stolen. Jose is a bus driver, uses one of these buses, uh, has been a driver for a decade. The minute they get in the bus and they start the bus, they're going to get recorded. Yeah, and they did. The bus is taken from the Lessel Transportation Hub just after midnight uh, in the Morris Park section on Monday. They, they are kids. They are kids. I would say they are like 18, 17, the maximum 19. Yeah, we call the police. Yeah. That's Sunday morning around 6 day, yeah. 6.40. But after you called the police, they came back and tried to do it again. Again, yep. Yeah, so they, they do look kind of like they're teenagers, hard to tell for sure. But one of the buses uh, found in Crotona Park, another bus was tracked riding around in Springfield Gardens, Queens. And someone stole another bus from the same garage. So far, they haven't been able to figure out where that bus is. While we're up uh, in the Bronx, illegal car washes on the side of the road have been popping up across the city, especially so in the Bronx over the last year. And uh, now city council and one city council member in particular are going to fight back against this. So what are these car washes? They connect themselves to the fire hydrant and they use that water to clean cars. And then people bring their cars over and they wash them kind of what a car like a car wash does. And I'm assuming it's cheaper. So that's part of the appeal. And some of the appeal is that it comes to your neighborhood instead of you going to the car wash. Well, one city councilman member, Rafael uh, Salamanca, says uh, he's done with these illegal businesses. He says they're a nuisance to our community. What has been on the rise in terms of complaints from my office are these illegal car washes. In essence, they're running uh, a business utilizing city resources uh, without properly you know, paying their fair share back in, into, into the city. Um, as a result, what we have is we have vans uh, that are parked there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They do not move for alternate side parking. Yeah, and they don't well, pay for the water. Uh, they don't pay for the spot. Uh, there's worries, of course, that they're using the fire hydrants. That's not good. So this newly proposed bill would start informing the businesses on how to legally obtain a license and do a real car wash. My bill will allow uh, the Department of Sanitation the authority of enforcement. What we're doing is that we're going after these businesses or these uh, mobile are car washes that do not have licenses and are performing businesses illegally. Yeah, so these car washes will give be given about 30 days to comply with this if this bill goes through. Out to Long Island at 544, there has been a big boost in gun sales at some Long Island businesses during the Israel-Hamas war. Andy Chernoff, he owns Coliseum Gun Traders in Uniondale, and he says... It's Jewish families that are coming in big numbers now looking for extra protection. We've seen an increased um, amount of people of Jewish faith because I think they too are afraid. Chernoff has owned the store for 40 years. He says half of his customers now, Jewish Long Islanders seeking guns for protections. Other gun store owners also seeing more Jewish American customers who are concerned about the rise in anti-Semitic incidents, threats of violence on social media, and the possibility of lone wolf attacks how about this guy oh the alaskan airlines pilot who tried to turn off the engines during a flight uh over the weekend um apparently now he says he was doped up on psychedelic mushrooms charging document show joseph emerson was sitting in the cockpit jump seat when he said i'm not okay before trying to pull the engine fire extinguisher handles one pilot struggled with emerson 30 seconds before he walked to the back of the plane he told the flight attendant you need to cuff me now or it's going to be bad 
After being arrested, Emerson told police he was having a nervous breakdown and hadn't slept for 40 hours. He said it was the first time he had used psychedelic mushrooms. Oops. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. Hopefully the last time. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. He's actually doing them again today, no. Are you, you're, you're familiar with the magic mushrooms, I assume, right? <laughs> I'm not going to disclose that kind of information live on the radio with you. <laughs> okay. My God. <laughs> on a Wednesday morning, no less. Let's get over to sports here. No, big night. son of a gun. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Indeed. Big night in the NHL with all 32 teams in action last night in Calgary. The New York Rangers scored three times in the second period and wrapped to a 3-1 to victory of the slumping Flames. Uh, Gustafsson scored once and added an assist. And Lafreniere also found the back of the net, but it was none other than Chris Kreider with his team-leading fifth goal that put the Rangers up for good. Panarin by him to Fox. 15 seconds to go in a power play. Panarin to Fox. Panarin with room. He plays it down low, score! Chris Kreider on a beautiful deflection. It's a power play goal! That call courtesy of MSG. The Blue Shirts will see if they can keep it up coming tomorrow night in Edmonton against the Oilers in Montreal. Tyler Toffoli would be all the Devils would need against the Canadians as he registered a hat-trick against his former team, leading New Jersey to the 5-2 to win. Uh, Holtz and Heischer also scored for New Jersey, and Jack Hughes continued his hot start to the season with four assists and wrapped to the win. They'll take the win home for a matchup with the Washington Capitals tonight in Newark. Puck drop there is set for 7.30 p.m. And finally, the Islanders were the lone local losers for the night, falling 7-4 at home to the still-undefeated Colorado Avalanche. Kyle Clutterbuck had a goal and an assist. Palmieri and Holmstrom also scored, but it wouldn't be nearly enough as the Islanders lose their third straight. They'll try and get off the schneid tomorrow night when they're set to welcome in the Ottawa Senators. And on the Diamond and the MLB playoffs where the NLCS ended with Game 7 last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia. And it's the D-backs that clinched just their second World Series appearance in franchise history with a 4-2 win over Philly. And so the 2023 Fall Classic is officially set. And we'll see the aforementioned Arizona Diamondbacks go up against the Texas Rangers for all of baseball's glory, even though no one will be watching. That World Series will begin Friday night in Texas. And finally, the NBA regular season opened up last night with a pair of games. We'll finally get some local action tonight. I suppose the Knicks and Nets are set to open their regular season campaigns on home court. The Knicks get the Boston Celtics for a 7 p.m. tip-off, while the Nets will welcome in the Cleveland Cavaliers a smidge later at 7.30. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick. On 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. We got down to D.C. where House Republicans nominating another person to be Speaker of the House. The latest candidate, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. Uh, the low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team became the party's latest nominee last night. After three rounds of voting behind closed doors, Johnson must now secure 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor to win the Speaker's gavel. Apparently they will take a vote later today, but boy, it has been chaotic. You had Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer. He was yesterday's guy, the nominee, but then he dropped out when he realized he likely would not have enough votes on the House floor. He was He's the majority whip, so he's the guy who counts the votes, so he knew right away he probably didn't have it. Uh, that is uh, Kevin McCarthy, the former House Speaker, saying this is just a total, total mess. He's answering whatever questions somebody has, and I think some of the questions people have, they haven't given Tom the opportunity yet to even ask him that and have him answer that. 
Yeah, McCarthy was pushing Tom Emmer yesterday, but then it became clear later in the day he would not have the votes, so he dropped out of the race. We've been three weeks without a speaker. We let eight people work with every single Democrat to put us in here to go directly against what our conference rules say. Yeah, so uh, they'll try again today. Uh, the latest candidate, Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson, uh, there is some thought that he does not have the vote, so it's not clear there'll actually be a House vote later this afternoon. Of course, as it plays out, keep it here, 77 WABC, we'll have the latest on that. And then, of course, overseas continues to be a mess there. At least 33 Americans now dead, 10 unaccounted for. In the war between Israel and Hamas, the National Security Council spokesman John Kirby updating those numbers yesterday. It would be imprudent and irresponsible if we didn't have folks thinking through a broad range of contingencies and possibilities. And, um, and, uh, and certainly evacuations are... Or one of those things. Yeah, they're talking about evacuating Americans from that a- area. They um, speaking on a potential ceasefire in the conflict. John Kirby says, uh, "Well, he's not in favor of that." They get to make the decisions about what operations they're going to conduct or not. Ceasefire right now is only going to benefit Hamas. Yeah, so then at the U.N. Security Council yesterday, they met here in the city. Hundreds turning out along First Avenue, each person holding a sign with a photo of someone kidnapped by Hamas, along with a red carnation in hopes of pressuring diplomats at the meeting yesterday to act quickly to get these hostages released. This is more than just a humanitarian crisis. It's an attack on civilization. Families of the hostages at the U.N. yesterday included Ruby Chen, who lives in Brooklyn. His 19-year-old son, E. Was taken. Chen uh, says he's holding out hope that the happy memories of his son's life are keeping him alive as he's held captive. Then you had Rachel Goldberg, whose son Hirsch is believed to be among those kidnapped from Israel. He was at that concert in the Negev where 260 Israelis were slaughtered. Uh, they know this much about him, that his arm was either blown off or was badly injured when these Hamas militants threw grenades at a shelter he was hiding in. Here was his mom. She flew to New York to pressure these U.N. officials to help find her son. And a competition of pain, there is never a winner. Picture your own mother and then picture her being told there are only two options. You are either dead or you had your arm blown off and were kidnapped by gunpoint into Gaza and no one knows where you are or if you bled to death in that pickup truck 18 days ago or if you died yesterday or if you died five minutes ago. More Aloni, who saw families taken from his kibbutz kidnapped, including a kid as young as 10 months old, he was speaking out at the UN as well yesterday. What world allowed this to happen? More than 30 children were taking hostages. Many of them, after seeing their parents murder in front of them, they are all alone there. Meanwhile, inside the United Nations, Palestinian Foreign Affairs Minister taking Israel to task for its bombing campaign that has killed civilians. No one is spared. No one is safe. Where is the solidarity with them? Where is the empathy towards them? Where is the outrage for their killing. Israel's foreign minister at this meeting yesterday, Eli Cohen, pushing back against what the Palestinian foreign affairs minister had to say. He went from house to house, slaughtering entire families and individuals in the beds, on the streets, on the way to the synagogue, raping women, 
burn them alive. And Cohen said, made it very clear that Israel stand on what will take place is that they're there to eliminate Hamas. They wouldn't give any details of when this ground war might begin. But here was Eli Cohen at the U.N. yesterday. The proportional response to October 7 massacre is a total destruction, a total destruction to the last one of the Hamas. Yeah, it doesn't make it, it any more clear. It is not only Israel right to destroy Hamas, it's our duty. Yeah, so no, not clear when that ground war might begin. We've been watching this morning air raid sirens going off in Israel today. Again, as more rockets are fired off from Gaza, Israel having an aerial bombardment of parts of Gaza over last night as well. We don't have any details on that, but uh, it's still just awful what's going on in the Middle East. And we'll bring it back home as we finish off. So New York City breaking ground on its first ever film and TV studio campus in Manhattan. Mayor Adams says the project on Manhattan's west side waterfront will create 1,700 jobs, impact more than $6 billion in economic activity over the next three decades. We continue to soar in the right places, and that's why investors are saying we want to invest in New York City, and this is a $350 million private investment. Of course, we have to wait for the strike to end, and this won't be built for a while. But Sunset Pier 94 Studios will be home, they say, to the State of Art Studios. Also, innovate public spaces, including Hudson River Park. I need SAG in our studios. We need to sign a deal. We need those 185,000 workers back uh, into our economy. Yeah, the two sides talking again, but no sign that there's a deal ready to be made. And finally... Farmers across the tri-state relieved that the weather is going to be dry over the next five or six days. Um, the pumpkin picking patches that usually bring in tens of thousands, if not hundreds or millions of dollars to some of these farms uh, have been slow because it rained every single weekend. Those are, that's big, right? It's the weekends when people go apple picking and pumpkin picking at these farms, pick up some apple ciders at Secor Farms in Mawa. They say, thank God this coming weekend is going to be beautiful so they can cash in right before Halloween. Weather-wise, as we know, no, it wasn't good. Um, but last year we had a stellar weather, so it's pretty hard to compete with a uh, premium year. So we'll be down a little bit, but we're very fortunate. The, the pumpkin crop is heavy, good quality pumpkin, so we have plenty of material to sell. We make up for it on a Sunday, and fortunate that Sunday's not raining, so we do have a bright side, too. Yeah, so the Halloween season's so short they have to make their money quick, and when three of the weekends were rained out, that's never good.